0: Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. I am your host, Evan Transu, aka Mr. Health Coach Ev. If you guys haven't already, please, um, after you're done with this episode, go back to the month of February and February 2020, depending on when you're listening to this, and go check out the episodes that we just released. We just did an entire month with some awesome, awesome mental health speakers. And we were releasing about a couple episodes per week, which is not something we typically do on the podcast. So um, after this one today, I definitely recommend if you kind of like the feel of this podcast and what we're doing here, uh, go check that out because that is a great way to kind of binge listen. Um, You know, obviously these stories, people are are serious and it's not necessarily entertaining, um, but I don't think that's the right word at least, but it is inspiring. And it's really cool for me to have gone through there and just recorded so much with them in the month of January and just heard all these stories myself and um, listening to these people come over or overcome, excuse me, incredible things. So um, we're glad to be back with a normal schedule now. Um, But we have some awesome people lined up for this month of March. And um, this first one today is definitely one of them. I definitely don't want to go too deep into his story. I, I want him to say that, but we're taking a different approach with this particular episode than we normally do. Um, so my buddy Kean's going to hop on, and he's not someone that has had any necessarily diagnosable mental health issues in his life, which is pretty typical on our podcast. What has happened with Kean though, is he has really been able to overcome the mental health challenges that I think our society is dealing with at a, as a whole right now. We are a generally anxious group. We are a generally um, slightly more stressed and even maybe saddened group by some of the things that are happening in the world. And of course, in many ways, we live in the best of times, but we also have some serious decisions that need to be made in the next, you know, five to 10 years about the course of, you know, humanity and things like that. And I think because of that, we have this whole generational um, difference in feelings than maybe past generations have had. And Kean is someone who not only has dealt with those kinds of things himself but he's worked through that and now actually helps other people um do those things so um we're gonna check in with him now Kean, are you there man
1: absolutely health coach ev how you doing brother <laughs> i'm doing
0: good man i'm so glad to have you on here um kian and i met in like the weirdest way possible I'll, I'll save that um you know the details of that story but basically you know one of our buddies a mutual friend met him on line. You know, he's just, he's got a good Instagram following. Um, We'll share the plug at the end here. And um, I happened to be down in Miami before, you know, my friend that met him online actually met him. Uh, You know, so uh, wait, it was Kian, it was you that hooked me up with the Miami thing. I wasn't even thinking about that. So uh, before I even met this guy, he hooked me up with an awesome opportunity. Um, We ended up meeting in in Miami and we we talked for about 45 minutes, an hour, and it was just like, okay, uh, this is definitely the guy. So um, he flew up about two or three weeks later uh, to a retreat that we were hosting. Um, and again, had never met any of us other than me for about forty five minutes. Um, and it was totally cool. Like that was just an awesome experience, man. So uh, we've had a lot of fun. and then obviously we've been on uh, the retreat together down in uh, what was that like March or April of last year, down in the Florida Keys. So um, that was great. but Obviously, I know that we said, we prefaced, we're starting this a little differently than we do most podcasts, but I think I can ask you the same kind of question um, that I ask almost everyone on this podcast to get things rolling. And that's, you know, what was Kean like as a kid? Like, where did you grow up? What was going on? Um, and, you know, what were you feeling and experiencing in that five to 10, maybe 12 year old range?
1: And this can be the good and the bad, if any was there. Oh, man, uh, that is a loaded question that I'm super <laughs> excited to answer. Uh, I was actually having this conversation with my mom the other day, uh, believe it or not, which is really interesting and cool to discover a little more about, about me and why I am the way I am. And uh, believe it or not, if you meet me now, uh, I'd say you'd probably think I'm, I'm very outgoing, I'm pretty confident, guy that can express himself relatively well and stand up for what he believes in. But I have not always been that way. Uh, when I was younger, I was the definition of what you call a people pleaser in so many ways. And because of that, I would suppress how I felt because I was afraid to... Uh, hurt other people. I was afraid that I would get rejected if I hurt other people's feelings or I made people not feel good, uh, if I didn't sacrifice myself for them. And that started very, very, very young uh, for me. And I learned that, you know, really in the womb, uh, we can maybe get into that a little later in the podcast. But I learned that, you know, I had to make sure that everybody around me was fully taken care of before I took care of myself. And by that being the case, uh, there was a lot of times that I never stood up for myself when I was younger and very, very young. Like, for example, there was a time uh, at a, a, an arena football league that I went to a game and they threw footballs out before the game. A lot of the guys, when they get announced and uh, a guy threw a football out, it took one bounce, landed right into my lap and I had it for about two seconds. And then a kid comes up next to me and says, Hey, I had that first rips out of my hands. And I just looked at him and said, okay, all right. And then I walked away and cried. Like that, that was literally me. I felt like I could not stand up for myself because uh, I felt like I cared so deeply about other people. And here's the really cool part about that process, though, is that I found an outlet to be able to express a lot of that stored, pent-up emotion, and that was the game of football. And I'm sure we'll get into this later on sure. in the podcast, but I ended up playing a short, short amount of time playing in the NFL. Um, but really, for me, when I got signed up to play football in third grade, that was my outlet. And when I came home the first day after practice and looked at my mom and said, oh my gosh, mom, I can hit people and not get in trouble for it. I knew it was the thing that that was for me because I spent so much of my time caring so much about what other people thought and suppressing my own emotions and my own thoughts uh, that football was my way to express myself. And if I could do it in a way that I didn't get in trouble and I could fully go in and drill somebody and not get in trouble for it, it was perfect. And I happened to been. <laughs> So, so that was the perfect storm for me to really set my intention at a really young age. You know, I was about eight years old and I first told myself I was going to play in the NFL because it was my way of being able to express myself. And as I grew up, uh, football was my way to do that. And I developed a lot of my, my identity through football. Uh, it gave me a lot of confidence to be able to start to stand up for myself, which is very powerful. Um, but I really was a definition of a people pleaser in so many ways growing up. Uh, I always wanted to make sure everybody around me was taken care of before I really took care of myself uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, meeting with me, you you probably just say, oh, well, he he's just very good at people. Uh, but really, I lacked I, my own identity in a lot of ways because I was so fixated on uh, making sure everybody around me was OK that I would just mold and chameleonize, chameleonize myself into different groups of people because I could relate to everybody. You know, I always hung out with everybody. Right, There's- right. With this, I was with the skateboarders, I was with the football players, I was with people in the band, I could relate to everybody. And you know, there's something very beautiful about that. Uh, but at the same time, if you don't have a strong understanding of who you are, it can become very empty and can leave you feeling very lost. And I think a lot of people out there struggle with that. So many people struggle with, with identity and, and wondering who they are. Uh, because we've attached to so many different things in our society. Now, we'll get into that later on, but as my life went on, uh, football was my outlet to find that confidence. And I wrapped up a lot of my identity in it. And it became my source of confidence in a lot of ways. And so when, when football wasn't great or I had an injury, I'd be really down and do whatever I possibly could to get back to playing, uh, regardless of what happened. And as I got into high school, as I got into college, you know, I ended up starting my true freshman year at a Division one program. And uh, I started my all the games the second half of my freshman year, sophomore, junior, senior year. Uh, simply based on the fact that I could block out all pain that I was experiencing, I could take on anything because I was so good at already sacrificing my own feelings and my own emotions that it went into the physical side as well. Right. Right. Yeah. When you talk about eating as well, like, you know, I came into into college at 205 pounds playing linebacker and I ended up uh, putting on 40 pounds, getting up to 245 (laughs) and no, you don't do that by not eating like nonstop and ignoring your hunger cues. You know, I was waking up at four a.m. in college to, to eat and go back to bed for two hours and then wake up and eat again. You know that that's literally how I lived was just eating, 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 and I got completely disconnected with my hunger cues uh, because I knew that I needed to put on that weight for football. Because underneath everything, football was the thing that was holding my confidence up, and it gave me that ability to express myself that I couldn't otherwise. So if that thing went away, that would mean, you know, my brain would have some kind of association with that, with, with death in a sense, right? That was my only way that I could truly express myself at the deepest level. So, you know, I went through football, um, blocking out pain physically, whether that was through eating, whether that was through injuries and eventually getting myself the place in the NFL. And, uh, the crazy part is that when I got to the NFL is when I found out that I'd never be able to play again. Uh, due to a neck condition that I knew was a lot worse than uh, I made it seem like, but the uh, on an MRI during uh, during camp on with the Kansas City Chiefs, they found that my neck injury was much worse than I thought, and that forced me out of playing football for good. So, I I literally you know kept playing when I knew I shouldn't, uh, but luckily you know I got forced out of it. At the time, it wasn't very good for me, but uh, looking back, hindsight. Uh, it was an amazing experience. So that brings me to where I am today. And, you know, football ending was probably one of the most powerful things for me with being able to discover who I am and what I want out of life. And, you know, I'm still figuring that out, but I feel like I've got a good basis of understanding of that now, uh, where my identity is not wrapped up in in anything associated with that I do. But uh, it's been it's been a journey for me, man, being able to really discover myself without having my identity in anything that I do, but having that joy solely within within myself and, and within me knowing I'm following my purpose and my, my passions every single day. So that's what uh, gets me to today. Yeah, and this, so
0: I love all the speakers I have on the podcast. First of all, I'll say that just as a shout out for you guys. But I do have a special place in my heart for the people that, because it's happened so many times where I ask the question about, you know what were you like as a kid, and they transition kind of perfectly because that's exactly where I go with that afterwards. You know, is how does that lead into middle high school? Um, so I I love the kind of we just got a really good summary of everything. Um, you know that went on, and I gotta ask. Um, I have two things. Would, did you really like truly eight years old? You had this vision of like I'm playing in the NFL, like that's what I want to do. Like you actually understood
1: that that deeply at that time. Oh yeah, absolutely, dude. To kind of give you some context into me when I was younger. Uh, I remember, I think I think it was seven, six or seven. It, it couldn't have been any older than that. But I came out one day with my piggy bank and told my mom that I was saving my money for my honeymoon. So I've always been very forward thinking in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, even my third grade teacher, man, it was crazy. She, she uh, texted my mom after I got called to play in the NFL. And she said, hey, I remember in third grade when Kean said, and he drew the picture of what he was going to do when he grew up. And it was his him playing in the NFL. And she said she laughed at the time, but she's like, holy shit, he did it. That's awesome. <laughs> so, pretty crazy. Nice. Yeah.
0: And so what was it like when, I, you know, and I, I know it's a tough thing, obviously, but what was it like when you found out, you know, you have this, I mean, I know that you understood there was something wrong with the neck, but when you find out, you know, hey, you got to this place again, that so many people, I wasn't a football player when I was younger, but that's like the pinnacle of male, you know, dreams is like to play in the NFL or NBA or MLB or something like that. How did that kind of affect you when you found out, okay, like, listen, I I can't do this.
1: Oh man. I still vividly remember sitting in the hotel room in Kansas city uh, by myself waiting to figure out why I wasn't getting signed because after I did my MRI on my neck in Kansas city, they just took me back to the hotel. The guy that was driving me around the facility He got a call and he had no idea why, but he said, Hey dude, I'm, I'm told that I'm taking you back to the hotel. You're flying back out tomorrow. We're not signing you anymore. So when I first got the news, I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, What's up with this. And and so I was texting team personnel, texting my agent. Nobody knew what was going on. And he's like, dude, sorry. That's how the NFL works. I'm like, no way. So I just got taken back to the hotel, you know, less than 24 hours after I was told I was going to play in the next preseason game. And I'm sitting there by myself, not knowing what's going on. And then I get a call from the general manager of, of Kansas city and he's like, "Kian, I'm probably wondering what's, why it's taking you so, us so long to get back to you. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, well, what they said, uh, the doctors said about your MRI results was that, uh, you're at a risk factor of 3.5 out of four to get paralyzed if you continue to play. And wow. I couldn't believe it. You know, it, I, it was so out of my realm of understanding in that moment. Uh, so I thought, but, um, uh, it was insane. But I got that news and I'm like, holy crap, this is wild. And I obviously cried my eyes out that night, dude. It, sure. it was, I went and had myself a, a big meal that I didn't worry about how healthy it was, which is really nice, um, and just enjoyed my <laughs> cried. The <laughs> and uh, then flew back the next day back to South Dakota and really took some time to mourn. I, I took about three days just to do nothing. And I think that's what propelled me into be able to make the next decision uh, was that I allowed myself just to kind of feel all of that hurt. And then once I got the urge, I'm like, okay, now it's time to do something.
0: Sure. And this is, I I think this is really, this is what I was getting at when I first kind of introduced you. You you bring a valuable perspective um, in a lot of ways. And one is that, you know, especially if you see these pictures of Keen on um, Instagram, like this is a, 240 is is big guys. I mean, that's a, it's a typical alpha looking dude, you know, going into the NFL. Um, And I appreciate you being open enough to be like, okay, just because, you know, I'm in this. Uh, classic alpha male role that does not mean I am emotionless or do not feel things or experience things um and I think everyone in that industry could agree with that except they probably aren't going to say um first so I, I give you a lot of props for that um of course this hits you you have you know this whole dream that you set up and um Now it's kind of like, okay, well, where do we go from here? What were some of the next things that happened um, in your life and like the decision making process to figure out like,
1: where the hell do I go from here now that I know I can't do this? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question because I was a finance major in college and I, uh, I knew I wanted nothing to do with that. That was the only certainty that I had when I got back home in my parents' basement was that I wanted nothing to do with my college degree. And so the first thing that popped in my head was just go to the library. So literally, man, for about three weeks straight, I rode my, I got up, worked out, and then rode my bike to the library every day and read for about eight hours a day for three weeks. And um, it was wild. That was all I did. And I was still at home. And eventually, I picked up a book. I've talked about this before, but it, the book called Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, uh, which anybody out there, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um but it's about something called epigenetics, which epi meaning above genes. So how your environment and your perception of your, of your environment ultimately determine the outcome of your genes. Uh, so basically saying that genetic determinism is dead and how you know just because our parents had something doesn't mean we're doomed to have it. So just explaining that from a scientific standpoint. And I'm like, this stuff is insane. I got to get in a position to be able to talk about this because nobody's talking about how much power we actually have over our lives, not only physically, but also with... What we decide to do with with our goals and our dreams and our jobs, all those kinds of things, we we all we all think that we're we're doomed uh, to do what our parents did in so many ways. And I'm like, I got to talk about this. So I then the next step was I remember a guy offered me a job as a personal trainer a few months prior to that, and I'm like, I'm gonna call him. So I gave him a call and I'm like, Hey, is that job still open? He's like, Yeah, absolutely. Took that. I was a personal trainer in my hometown for about six seven months. Um, and about halfway into that, I realized I needed to leave South Dakota. So I'm like, okay, well, what can I do? And I, lo- I thought about it. and I'm like, well, I got friends in New York. Uh, I could hit him up. And I did. And we, we agreed that I was going to move to New York. And I called Equinox, got a job at Equinox, a uh, gym, luxury gym chain in New York. And about a week before I was supposed to move out there with him, it didn't end up working out. He had something happen. He had an accident where I couldn't go. And I'm like, well, shit, what do I, what do, I do now? So right. I called another buddy of mine. And I'm like, hey, you want to go to New York? He's like, no, it's too cold. I'm not going to the cold. He's like, let's go to Miami. I'm like, all right, sounds good to me. <laughs> so I called the Equinox in New York and said, hey, you know, this circumstance happened. Can you put a good word in for me down in Miami? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. They did. We got some face time interviews. We got the jobs. And literally within six months of when I was told I'd never be able to play again, uh, I was on the road, packed my car up in South Dakota, 26 hour drive down to Miami. Never been there before. So from there, uh, I got a job as a personal trainer and I got obsessive about learning about internal health. And I eventually came up with a program uh, called the Total Body Reset, where I get people that have different autoimmune conditions and digestive disorders uh, or any kind of chronic complex disease on this program uh, from the nutritional standpoint. And we're getting a lot of good results. But here's the crazy part of is that, you know, a lot of people didn't end up getting long-term results that I thought they would. Uh, and one of the commonalities in all those people was that they were all dealing with something much deeper from the mental, emotional standpoint. So the people that weren't getting results physically uh, had something that they were dealing with from the standpoint of trauma or stored emotion in their bodies, which is insane. And so I'm like, okay, well, let me dive into that a little bit. So I started helping these people with their mental, emotional place and helping them work through some of those traumas and, and issues they were experiencing. And we're finding that people were getting much quicker results and much more sustainable results. And so I'm like, all right, this is wild. There's something to this. I'm like, this is what I need to dive into. Right, right. And that's when I got obsessed about learning about that and, and trying so many things with myself and learning things with myself and all my all my customers and clients. Uh, and then eventually meeting, you know, a lot of high performers, guys that make a lot of money and have a lot of success and finding they were substantially lacking a lot of fulfillment in their lives. And so I started to do- And, and you found stuff. that in Miami? No. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then I, I started helping those guys with a lot of the same mental emotion issues that people that, were, that had the physical problems were experiencing. And so now I've since kind of moved into that space a little bit, the, the high performers, guys that are lacking fulfillment in their lives uh, because that's where I was at with, with football. But um, its it's been unbelievable to be able to help people in that mental emotional space now, man. That's Yeah, that's awesome, man. And that that's so cool. I, I knew that you obviously – that I met you in
0: Miami, but um, I never knew how you got from South Dakota to Miami, um, that's awesome. I love that you. It's just interesting because me and my buddy um, Jake have such a similar thing where uh, it's one of my best friends. You know, we're in Pennsylvania, and we drove to San Diego, having never been there before. So it's kind of like the opposite corner. You know, we knew it'd be warm. Um, we didn't know what we were doing, but we we're trying to figure things out. And I, I love the story with um, you know, going to the library and reading because we so often on this podcast. The people that have had true resolutions um, with stuff like mental health issues, there's this aspect of conscious effort towards personal development. And, of course, that normally involves, you know, reading, listening to books, uh, you know studying certain people and things like that. And the way your story plays out, man, I mean, I know you believe in this type of stuff. I think everything happened exactly as it was supposed to if I didn't know any better. I'd say this is going um, the exact path that, you know, Kean was supposed to be taking in life. Um, Especially just hearing how much passion you have when you talk about this stuff. I mean, there's an energy that people emit when they're passionate and it's contagious and um, you totally embody that. So, okay, what are some of the main things when you started studying this more aspect of, you know, emotional, maybe trauma and and stress and things like that, which is totally, totally valid. um, I have learned so much about that, especially in the category of autoimmunity. Um, it's actually remarkable how many people I know, um, including myself at 1.56 years ago, had gotten some kind of diagnosis with an autoimmune issue not long after, you know, they were in an accident or had something very serious happen to them. So what are some main things that you've learned with that? And it could be things that you've applied to your clients, um, you know, or to yourself. How do you get the person to acknowledge that that is connected to their disease state. Like, how do you make that connection for people?
1: Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal question, and that's helping people understand how the the process actually works, taking them from point A to point B. And that's the craziest part, and the the, the wild part is one of the biggest commonalities in so many people that get certain forms of cancer. Like, talk about breast cancer, ovarian cancer, testicular cancer, colon cancer, and even so many different autoimmune conditions is you'll find some very common personality traits amongst a lot of these people. And one of them happens to be, and summing it all up, the element of self-sacrifice. And the wild part about that is so many of these people, you know, me included, will constantly sacrifice their well being for the well being of the people around them. You know, you look back at a lot of people listening to this, you look back at the last person that you know that got cancer, uh, a lot of times they'll explain they'll describe these people as being the, the most selfless people, the the uh, people had the biggest hearts, I would do anything for everybody. But at the same time, they were, they were type A, always doing things, always sacrificing themselves, always compromising what they wanted for other people, uh, always just go, 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 go nonstop, uh, never giving themselves a chance to think, uh, and always, always finding ways to not ever give themselves a chance to relax. And that's the wild part when it comes to stress. And the stress response is that when you're constantly living in this place of pleasing other people or constantly working or constantly trying to achieve or make something happen without you know, the elements of reflection is it triggers a stress response in the body. And as you know, short-term stress is normal, and the body is meant to handle that. Uh, but long-term chronic stress caused by the unconscious stress that you're putting on yourself by thinking that you always have to meet an expectation of other people or always have to prove yourself to other people to receive love, uh, it builds up. And anybody that's listening to this, if you know what happens with the chronic stress response, many of the body's systems begin to shut down. You're probably wondering, okay, how does that work? Well, think about it in the context of of when you're running from a lion. When you're running from a lion, you need to worry about having sex. Absolutely not. You need to worry about getting away from the lion, right? Right. Your your reproductive systems are shut down. What about your digestive tract? You got to worry about digesting food when you're running from a lion? Absolutely not. There goes your digestive tract. You got to worry about fighting off chronic complex disease. Absolutely not. There goes your immune system. You got to worry about uh, processing long-term memories and stored information. Probably not. There goes your prefrontal cortex. So when that stress response is triggered in the long run, chronically over and over again, how the body works is if you don't use it, you lose it. And that's literally how it works. And so if there's not blood flowing to these areas, because the blood's flowing to whatever you need to get away from a lion, your arms, your legs, the back part of your brain, that's responsible for reactionary things then the body's going to start to shut those things down. It's not going to allocate energy to systems that aren't being used very frequently, right? And that's what the body's perceiving because you're under this chronic stress response. And so these people that are in this place, their body systems sh- start to shut down and they actually start to attack themselves because it's recognizing that it's taking energy but not being useful based off the environment, which is insane, right? That's why our thoughts yes. for our biology in so many different ways And so a lot of it comes down to a suppressed immune system. And that's ultimately what happens in the long run with, with that chronic stress response caused by thinking that uh, you always have to be achieving, thinking you always have to be pleasing uh, and doing those kinds of things is because it never stops. And um, that eventually catches up with you, which is wild. So, um, right. Yeah. And, and that's what you actually really, I might
0: probably use a lot of that in many ways, when I'm talking, Uh, to people in the future, because you really articulated that well, because it's like a lot of analogy and um, it's beneficial because people don't understand when we think of stress, we think of being late on the bills or having to pay taxes or maybe a fight with the spouse or whatever. And those are forms of or ways that your stress can be formed in our body. But when I'm trying to explain to people that, hey, listen, the toxic ingredients that you 're consuming on a daily basis, the toxic thoughts that are entering your mind and you know these things that were it's consumption right whether it 's consuming through our ears our mouth or whatever or our eyes those are constantly messing with our body, and that 's the number one issue with today 's world is that it sounds so ironic because you would think especially i mean let 's just uh I know we actually have uh, worldwide listeners, which is awesome, but as far as America goes. You would think that today for the average person here should be better than ever before. Doesn't it sound scary as hell to be going back and living in the tribal days? You know, we're just with this group of people, um, you know, there's no necessarily ingrained laws. There's no hospitals, whatever. You would think that's the most stressful thing in the world. And the irony is, I mean, it's kind of objectively wrong. It, It seems like those people were clearly less stressed in many ways Um, than we are now. So it's just really interesting uh, to see how all of this kind of plays a part. Um, What do you think, I guess, how do I want to ask this? Okay, what do you think is causing this societal problem of people pleasing and things like that? Um, And I'm not saying this didn't always exist. Maybe that's what you think. Maybe it just always did. But for some reason, I just have like this hunch and maybe you know more about this, that this is a result of kind of our, Modern world. Do you agree with that, or do you think that's always been a part of human nature? And there's always been those people that are just putting way too much
1: pressure on themselves. Ooh, I love this question. This is a phenomenal question, uh and, and I think a lot of it where it stems from, man, is I I, I believe that in so many ways uh, our brains aren't necessarily adapted and adjusted to the times, and we've never in human history been in a place where we've actually had all of our needs met as far as our basis is right? you talking yes. about food, shelter, water, um, not feeling like we're going to die if we walk outside. Uh, so we're in a place of actually a lot of comfort. And the wild part about that is like I said, we've never been in that place in human history. And so because we're in that place, you know, we actually have to take time to worry about so many other things that are going on that people thousands of years ago, even hundreds of years ago, didn't have to worry about because people were always just worried about, you know, surviving and making things work and making them happen. But now we actually have time where we don't have to be in survival mode all the time. And our brains go to different places when that happens. You know, when we, when we were forced to be in survival mode a thousand thousands of years ago, we didn't have to worry about little tedious things that we worry about now because we couldn't, we, we couldn't because those problems were irrelevant. But now we're worrying about, there's so many more things to worry about. And there's so many more things we, we could potentially be missing out on like all these amazing things that we have available to us. You know, they're phenomenal, but also creates this massive, you know, the fear of FOMO, right. Uh, the, the fear of having too many options or right? not knowing what to do. So there's all these things that now uh, these stressors that we have that were irrelevant thousands of years ago. You know, you talk about, I get it all the time. Like me, like I could do a million different things. I can travel anywhere in the world at any time. So it's like, what do I do? And that creates all this stress on me because I'm like, do I do this, this or this? And then the fear of missing out, right? You see, we see all of these people constantly doing things around us and we're stressed because we're not doing that. And why can't we do that? And so we're getting all these external stressors on us that we're not adjusted to be able to handle. And unless you're in a position where your parents are completely uh, trauma-free, you're experiencing some sort of issues that you're taking on from your parents that you also have to confront that thousands of years ago, people didn't have to worry about. Cause like I said, they were worried about survival. So that's the wild part is because we've never been in a place where we've had so much available to us and not having to live in survival that creates so many other issues. It's this element of comfort that we have actually isn't giving us nearly as much comfort as people may think, uh, when it comes to the mental, emotional space.
0: Sure. And yeah, I was just like, that's a great answer. I love that perspective. I mean, there's um, an ultimate irony to that, right? Like, again, in general, I want to be respectful. You know, I've had a pretty good life. Um, I want to be respectful to obviously, uh, the experience of all people. I know not everyone has had some of the luxuries we've had. But in general, the average person in America, you know, we're actually dealing, we, we don't, we're lucky enough to not have to deal with those intense lion chasing moments. But then the irony comes in that we have such an accumulation of of all these otherwise small little stressors that it's like this constant overload on the system. Um, Mm. And that's why I see a lot too. You you either have these traumatic uh, moments or events, particularly traumatic moments or events that usually lead to a diagnosis afterwards, or you have these people that all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're like, I'm sick and I don't know why. And that was the experience for me. And then once you understand this kind of stuff with what's going on in today's world, you look back and you realize, wait a second, i I've been battling stuff my whole life. It's just been, you know, relatively um, small or just, you know, small enough that you don't really pay too much mind to it. So that's awesome. And I don't think a lot of people uh, think about it like that. So that's exactly kind of what I was looking for today is just these unique perspectives on, um, you know, how to navigate through today's world. So with that said, what are
1: some F- of the things that- Real quick, F? Yeah, sure. So, so what, with what you said, with what you said about, you know, you thinking that like a lot of the things that you experienced weren't nearly as bad as a lot of the other things other people experience. That's the wild part is that no matter what situation you're in, no matter how amazing you may think your life is, no matter how amazing you thought your upbringing was, that's irrelevant because trauma is 100% relative in every single way. And so we might see ourselves not be experiencing joy and we never had uh, a, a physical or sexual abuse happen to us. And so we'll think, okay, well, the problems I have are irrelevant but I could have had my best friend leave me in third grade and experience extreme withdrawal and be afraid of rejection for the rest of my life. Just as much as somebody that was sexually abused at the same age, trauma is entirely subjective. And so I think that's really important too. Cause so many people out there that think, Oh, my life is so great. My life's so amazing, but I can't be joyous for some reason. And I'm super restless and I have all this anxiety. Well, don't let yourself go down that path of thinking, okay, well, my upbringing was great because, from the outside looking in, it might have been that way, but traumas all relative. So you still could have sustained something at some age, which you probably did, uh, that's causing some form of trauma. So it's not all about looking at us, you know, objectively at certain situations. It's about really how you perceived that situation that matters. So I want gotcha. to go right in
0: there. No, that's cool, man. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I, because, yeah, you're right. Um, and I, well, first of all, I definitely would not have thought about that. What I was getting at more is, I, I always just like to, you know, throw it out there that yes, I mean, I'll tell you this, I wouldn't have trade places with anyone um, who, because there's, you know, kids out there right now that don't know where their next meal is coming from. Um, I certainly wouldn't trade places with that. But I like what you just said about trauma being relative because I would never, you know, when someone has an experience that has affected them. I never would lessen that. Right. So it's kind of ironic because you may you just made me realize something. Yeah. Why would I do that to myself? Because, of course, I've had my own experiences in life. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have gone through the things that I've gone through otherwise. So um, that's definitely uh, kind of valuable. And I think that's validating for a lot of people out there that might be, hey, maybe they're looking at it like me. You know, well, I had a nice house, nice family, things like that. So, you know, I almost don't deserve um, to you know feel these emotions that I feel um but you know again if it's relative then of course it's not a deserving thing it's just that that could happen to you um what do you think then because you talked when you're saying you know comparing ourselves to other people and the things that they're doing obviously um there's some uh we're, we're pointing towards things like social media when we make a statement like that that's implied what is kind of the general thing maybe or things that someone can do? Because I know you use social media. Like, do you limit things like that? Or like, how can we start to move away from um, having ourselves held in these identities? Because you do practice what you preach with that. I genuinely believe that you are, you know, in as Kian. You're not Kean as the coach or Kean as the NFL player, or, you know, used to be NFL player, or whatever. Like you have moved away from those identities. What are some like general tips for the average person listening to this? Like, what can they do to start getting themselves back and not be attached
1: to these things yeah that's that's uh first off thank you so much for that because that's what i've really been working towards is, is not you know having my identity be, be wrapped up in anything that i do but um stop stop doing things you know is going to cause you to feel like shit like like that's probably one of the biggest things one of the first things and like for me when i sit there and watch a bunch of stories i get anxious right i'm like i see all my friends doing cool stuff i'm like oh shit i wish i could be doing that right now You know,
0: right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I I stopped watching stories. That's it. You know, like, I know people like, oh, I want to catch up. I want to see what people are doing, whatever. But if it's causing you to be anxious in the process, don't do it. And when I don't do it, I feel way better. (laughs) You know, right. right. And that's straightforward. But it's true because we
0: all do. You kind of know what you're doing i always say this if you truly ask someone what could you be doing in your life right now to get better they can give me a whole list of things right and then it comes down to this well why aren't you doing it so i do think yes there's some awareness with this type of stuff about hey like that's probably not the best to be scrolling through stories for an hour or something i don't feel good after this and i'm still doing it anyway so what where is like the addiction come in that plays into the stress response right like why would we be doing something
1: that constantly makes us feel bad because we do it Right. No, absolutely. And man, it's, it's such a complex thing. It, It is, it is a form of addiction. And, you know, it can be used just as much as a form of resistance as alcohol or drugs or porn or sex can. And it's so easy for us in times of not feeling good, of when we experience stress, of when we're exhausted from working all day, Um, from when we have something bad happen to us where we don't want to deal with that emotion. We have this thing at the the touch of our hand where we can go to it and use it to suppress that emotion and not experience that emotion. And it is human nature to want to run from pain in a lot of ways. And I think the fact that we're so fixated uh, biologically to run from pain is what's causing us to experience even more pain, which is wild. You know, the, the light is found in the dark and through the dark not through trying to act like the dark's not there and suppressing the dark. Uh, that's not how it works. Uh, the light operates and shines through it. And when you do not confront, uh, the, the real issues in your life and the, the emotions that you're experiencing. And, you know, I talked about at the beginning of the podcast when I, at, when I got back from football, I got back to my parents' house, you know, I didn't do anything for a couple of days, you know, I cried and let myself feel. And I think that's so powerful is that, you know, because we're so quick to numb those emotions to going to social media uh, we're becoming so almost emotionless as a society in a lot of ways, uh, which is scary and very dangerous. Um, but being able to confront our own shit, you know, like not just going to social media when we're anxious or going to social media when we're sad, but, but sitting with ourselves in that moment and, and having a conversation with ourselves, you know, and talking ourselves through a processor or letting ourselves grieve for a moment, uh, not just running away from our problems through diving into social media, you know, and I'm guilty of it at times as well. You know, there's times when I've done that. Absolutely. But, you know, knowing that and knowing that you're not actually going to get any long-term benefits from numbing and suppressing your emotions by running to social media to get away from them, uh, it can be massively beneficial. So, you know, that's when the process comes in of being able to know how to have a conversation with yourself, right? I'll literally sit there, man. I had a conversation with somebody the other day. I was like, dude, I, I will literally sit there when I'm experiencing some kind of negative emotion or, you know, sadness, I'm upset, I'm angry, or I'm really anxious. I'll ask myself, I'm like, yo, like, why are you feeling this, like this right now, Kian?" I'll literally say that. And I'll be like, oh, okay, well, this happened today. And I'll, and I'll be like, oh, okay, well, I remember that happening. Oh, that makes sense. That's, that's affected me in the past. And like, oh, yeah, it has. And I'll literally have this dialogue with myself. And some people listening to this might be like, oh, wow, too dude's crazy. But in reality, it makes me really sane because I know that the reason why I'm experiencing the things I'm experiencing. So I can actually stop feeling that way through understanding myself, not through numbing it.
0: I, okay. I love what you just said about the inner dialogue thing. That is something I've actually wrote about before. um, And it's going to be the book I'm working on. Now I literally talked about that because that come, what what I describe that as is like a self-awareness, right? Like I feel like I can converse with myself almost to get some truths out of myself. And I don't, I, I still have no insight for this. Um, this wasn't necessarily the direction I was expecting to go with the question, but I really like that you brought that up. I felt like the first 18 and a half years of my life were like, there's no self-awareness there. And then I had an experience where all of a sudden it's like, okay, I, I get this now. And, and I'm talking to myself again and I'm realizing, Hey, like you're doing this action out of ego, or you're doing this because you're upset about that. And I really, truly felt like most of my life, I was running on autopilot and didn't have that. Um, do you, again, I'm only asking, cause I've had this experience and I don't know why that seemed to turn on. Have you had, or do you have any insight on like why our generation might be lacking self-awareness? Cause I feel a lot of people don't have
1: these conversations with themselves. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's because the elements of comfort, man, like nobody's really forced to. We haven't had to because monetarily we have our needs met and we, we we have food on the table and we have a roof over our head and we have these things. So we've never had to really dive into ourselves and that's a really scary part. You know, this might go be all going off in a little different direction, but about money and success is that when you get money and success and you have all these needs met at the beginning, a lot of times it'll prevent you from even doing anything as far as diving into yourself. If things are always great, you're never going to have the opportunity because you don't have, you have no need. All your needs are met. You feel great. You feel fine. So you can use money and success and your basic needs being covered as reasons not to dive into yourself. You know, I'm sure that moment that you had with finally saying, okay, I need, you know, you having that level of consciousness awareness of of yourself, it probably wasn't the best experience for you. Uh, I would confirm that. Yes. (laughs) And so, so when we don't experience struggle, when we don't experience, you know, moments of, insane transition in our life. uh, It's hard to ever have to, you know, have that come to Jesus moment uh, because you don't really have to. And for me, it was, it was football. It was was, the crazy part, man. When I got to Kansas city, after I got signed by the chiefs, I was sitting in the cafeteria watching practice. I remember the feeling that I had. And I said, I said to myself, I'm like, this is what it feels like to accomplish your lifelong dream. Really? I was so shocked. And and it wasn't what I thought it was. I didn't feel that element of fulfillment that I thought I would. And that was the, the huge defining moment for me. And five hours later, I was told to never be able to play again. So that was insane uh, for me. And, you know, if you don't ever ha- put, you put yourself in the position to fail, you never put yourself in a position to actually have to confront yourself, you know, comfort can be one of the most detrimental things that you could possibly have. Because it forces you never to go in- inside of yourself.
0: I, I think that makes sense. I've never thought about that. But I love what you're saying because, yeah, I think that's been a huge problem with our generation. Um, Again, from a general standpoint, there is like, it's so weird, right? Because we're all uncomfortable in a lot of ways when we talk about, you know, these constant stressors, but then we're we're like content, you know, there's no push to really do much of anything. And I think that, yeah, there, that causes so many problems for people. Um, I'm smart with it now, but I love putting myself in positions where there is challenge because you're right. That's where I saw. Growth in my life. When me and my buddy went out to San Diego, we went out with his car with 90,000 miles on it and $1,200 to our name with absolutely no plan. And not because we're crazy and we just, you know, I mean, listen, if the worst came to, came to worst, right, we, we go back home and we start from scratch and figure it out. But we wanted this as a challenge. And I grew from that. And I gained a work ethic from that. Because we were out there for about four months. It sounds like it's not that long. Something changed in Evan Transo out there. That's when I became, okay, I, I'm staying focused towards my goals and working um, because I just was like, this sucks not having any money and, and no freedom whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I mean, that of course, a little sidetrack, but I, I love um, hopping into these that the happen when we get into those random conversations within the main conversation. Um, I actually can't believe that we're already 43 minutes in. I want to make sure that I get to talking about, um, you know, kind of where you're at now and things like that what I'd love to ask is talking about cool and uh, doing cool things. What's the Columbia thing? You know, I knew that you went out there, but what was the reason to go out to Columbia? Because, I mean, you lived out there for almost uh, forgive me. What is it like eight, nine months at one point? Yeah. A year. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Wow. Um, First dude, that's epic. Your story about going to San Diego. That's so cool. And <clears throat> you are crazy. Most people listening will be like, wow, this dude is crazy for doing that. And you are, and I love it, dude. Cause that's why you are the way you are and why you're doing the amazing things you're doing now is because you put yourself in those positions, right? That, that's so powerful. So I just want to say that, uh, first, but, uh, yeah. So I was in, I moved to Miami uh, about three years ago and, uh, my lease expired in Miami. not this most recent November with the November, November prior to that. And I went out to Colombia with in South America with, uh, three of my buddies and we were all going to stay there for about a month and a half and then go back to Miami, and get a place together. And we were there for about five days, and we looked at each other and said, "Dude, you know, let's just stay." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so, so we all had to put, you know, we all had remote jobs. We could all work from wherever, and like this place is really cool. And you know, at the time, I didn't know any Spanish. You'd think I would live in Miami for two years, but I didn't know any Spanish. Uh, and like, let's make this thing work. Let's do it. And so, literally, for the last year, a year and a month, uh, I lived in Colombia and learning the language, learning the culture. Um, getting clients while I was there, uh, interacting with this completely different way of being, you know, and even, you know, got a girlfriend, amazing, amazing girl while I was there and, uh, learned firsthand what the culture was like. Like I went deep into, you know, the areas of Colombia where the gringos don't go and learned what it's like, uh, to live in that environment. And, you know, there's, there's so much beauty in it. Um, but having it be something that's so different, I thought was amazing. So putting myself in that position was, was really cool. I, I learned a lot about myself um but yeah i think it was more so just like uh you know this feels right and let's do this and so we did cool so yeah this was literally just a fun thing amongst friends that you're like okay you know what this is
0: awesome and we're just gonna because a year is a long time man i mean that's a serious commitment and you're in a whole different uh content you know that's crazy
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was yeah it was an amazing experience man
0: (laughs) you kind of have that laugh um that you know it's like yeah, when the person says it back to me, I realize that is pretty nuts. <laughs> you know, it wasn't as crazy when I was doing it. But like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just a cool thing. And it's, and it's really interesting, too, that we live in a time where, um, you know, that we can do that. I mean, most people could never have worked remote, you know, even 150 years ago. Um, that, that's just awesome that you've had that figured out. So what is, because I know you only, I mean, this is a year and a month. So you literally just came back then, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got back uh, three weeks ago.
0: Excellent. What so I know you had kind of told me before, but just for the audience, I mean, um, you know, what's the next step? And I really didn't ask, like, what's like what's the plan in the upcoming year? What are the goals? Like, what are some things that you want to do?
1: Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. I think being able to expand my outreach as big as possible and you know, touch as many people as I can as far as my coaching goes. Um, but then just continue to experience different elements of life. You know, like I said, I had a I had a girlfriend for a while in Colombia and oh my gosh, man, I'd had a girlfriend in eight years. And so that experience was was unbelievably valuable. I met an, an unbelievably amazing person, but also learned a lot about myself. And really my my path is putting myself in different situations and seeing how I respond and, and learning about myself. And that's what I'm committed to doing. Uh, the more I can do that and the more I can learn about myself and put myself in, in adverse situations, the more I can understand other people and the things they're going through. And you know, if I can grow in the process, and help other people by the experiences that i'm having i think everybody wins and that's what's going to continue and allow me to propel myself uh to get better as a coach all the time it's by constantly putting myself in those situations that are very difficult to handle and uh i I love it man it's it's crazy but the, the more i do it the more i build confidence in myself because i end up coming out on top every time whatever you want to you know define that as um And I think that's so powerful for us to do is is put ourselves in those adverse situations because you can't build confidence if you don't. And the more I do it, the more I build confidence and the more it gives me confidence to do bigger, better things. Sure. So I think for me, it's, it's committing to the next step. You know, I'm going to go to Miami for about a week coming up here on on Sunday. And then I'll go to Mexico city for a few months with a good friend. And uh, we're going to do some things together, just work together, but I'm going to experience life in Mexico for a little while, you know? So um, it's, it's going to be a really fun year, and uh, I'm excited to grow and to help other people grow in the process.
0: Nice. So let's talk about the coaching then. Um, first of all, how did you get into the idea of like, you know, I, you know, I want to be a coach? Because not, that's not for everyone. You know, working one-on-one with people, that can be really tough. So how did you get into that? And let, let's touch on like what you offer um, to people, because clearly it's going well, because again, you're doing some awesome things, um, and you're doing that completely through this business. So tell us
1: more about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man uh i think you know growing up there is a lot of beauty that comes from the element of being a massive people pleaser and that's being able to understand people at a really deep level and be able to actually empathize and understand others and so i think inherently i have you know a gift of that of being able to really connect with other people and you know master the art of listening so i can understand people better um but really i think through the process of really trying to discover who who i really am and who i want to be um it's just been a natural process. You know, as I told my story earlier in the podcast, like it wasn't something that I had a strong intention to do was be a coach. I just knew I wanted to share the information that I read in the book. That was it. And I just went with the next right step, the next right step, the next right step. And, and boom, I'm in this position. And, you know, it's in alignment with what I'm passionate about and what I feel like my purpose is. And I'm just going to continue to grow it and do it more and more because I could. I I mean, I wake up in the morning, I'll do a 13 hour day and and I love it. I I love doing this. And, um, you know, so inherently you said it earlier in the podcast, you said, it sounds like this was your path. It sounds like this is, is what was meant to happen throughout the course of your life. And, And I would agree. I would agree. And you know, the, the crazy part was I didn't share this earlier, but, uh, when I went to go get the MRI in Kansas city, Evan, um, I tried to get the, my MRI on my neck. I did the one on my hamstring I wanted me to do, but I went to get the one on my neck and I would got super claustrophobic. I mean, I was in this machine. It was an inch away from my face. Like I had to pull, I pulled myself out and it was insane. And she called the team and said, Hey, is it okay if he doesn't do his neck? I know. Do you, I know you really just wanted the hamstring and the team said, yeah, he doesn't have to do the neck. That's okay. And she relayed the message to me and I had this intuitive sense. I'm like, no, I need to do this. I have to do this thing with my neck. Wow. So, I, I got myself hyped up, got a drink of water. You know, you can visualize me in the doctor's office just getting hyped, like jumping in the machine two hundred and forty pound monster trying to oh, fit yeah. in the MRI machine. <laughs> dude. And, and so I jumped in and I got the MRI results, and then I got taken back to the hotel because they got the results. And so I didn't have to do that, dude. I didn't have to do that. But that's when the, the connection with myself really began to reestablish. The connection with my intuition began to reestablish. And since then I've been following that everywhere I go. And like I said wasn't my intent to just be a coach, right? It just, just naturally happened because I've continued to be able to tap in more and more with my intuition. That's a beautiful part about this process that it's not forced. It's not me trying to be a coach. It's it's me stepping into this thing that was the next step in line that my intuition brought me to, which is super beautiful and powerful.
0: Right, and it's cool. It definitely seems like a natural thing for you. Even when we were at the retreat, um, it, it's really this, because it's not like you're acting like you know everything about everything you have your specific areas that you're really good at and because you're so passionate about it and because it just flows out of you so naturally it was cool to see um especially in the Catskills retreat at uh, Catskills for those that don't know is just a mountain range in um New York like people were coming to you you know you're kind of working you're talking like different people one-on-one you were like doing a little key and coaching um throughout the whole retreat and I think a lot of people got value from that so that was awesome um but I know we kind of I, one part I really wanted you to specify um, that I don't think we touched on is like, who, so who's your ideal client? Like, who's the person that would want to work with you? And, you know, if I ask you, hey, what kind of coach are you? Stuff like that. Um, what are the answers to those questions? Because I want to make sure if someone's listening to this and they're like, all right, this is totally a guy I can relate to
1: um, that they know, okay, this is going to be for me or not for me. Yeah, that's, that's a phenomenal question. I think what, what pops my head is for anybody that feels stuck in their life, Like if they're like, okay, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure the next step, I can't figure this out. And they feel stuck in some way. Uh, And at that moment, that's always a big turning point in the life of somebody when they feel stuck. And that's what I can help people with. It's helping them find clarity in their life to be able to know the next thing they should do to tap into that place of understanding themselves so they can begin to be autonomous and learn to listen to their intuition and being able to live the life that they want. Because most of the time when people are stuck, Uh, They're so disconnected with their intuition uh, that they just simply don't know what to do because of a lack of action for a long time, you know? And so if you feel stuck in some way in your life, that's a big one. Another one is identity. If you don't really know who you are uh, as as a person at your core, I know when you you hear that initially, you might think, oh, I know who I am. I know who I am. But really, are you who you want to be or are you who everybody around you thinks you should be? That's the question you got to ask yourself. And I had an epiphany in Miami on the beach uh, three years ago of saying, holy shit, I live my life almost entirely for other people and pleasing other people and getting validation from other people. And that was a huge come to Jesus moment for me because I'm like, holy crap, who am I? This is insane. I don't even know who I am. And that's why I had to dive into that. And so, so many people out there will get definition, get their identity out of the things that they do. Uh, which can be very detrimental and dangerous in the long run. So if you struggle with knowing who you are, you're not sure who you are and, and you want to try to figure that out and you want to begin in the process of doing that, that's also a huge area uh, that I love helping other people in because I've gone through it, man. You know, I, I can talk about things that I've gone through and experienced.
0: Awesome. And, yeah, you guys know um, I'm very uh, – probably a little too much so sometimes, but I'm very serious about – things I recommend or people I recommend or books I recommend or whatever. Um, so yeah, I would never have someone on this podcast. that I don't believe in 100%. Um, Kian has a lot of great things to um, offer people. So where can even coaching aside, where can they find you? Because I know you have public um, Instagram profiles and you even have um, a really active uh, Facebook group where you're helping out people and that's completely for free. So where can they find you with these things?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. So first and foremost, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, uh, go to my website keanloggy and I know it's a very difficult first and last name. <laughs> and <if laughs> Not you, something you hear every day. So that's what Evan put those in the show notes. I'm sure. Um, yes. But uh, my my website, but then also like you said, the uh, my private Facebook group is an awesome way to learn some really cool information, uh, but also gets to know me a little better. So it's uh, the connection, and I'm sure you'll have some notes for that as well through my Facebook page. Um, yeah, I'll have guys.
0: Yeah, a podcast or wherever you're listening to this too. Um, we'll have it in the description. So just go check that out uh, afterwards if you'd like.
1: Perfect. And then also Instagram, kian.loggie. Uh You can check me out there. So so Facebook, Instagram, and my website are probably the, the best places to, to go. And also if anybody has any questions, uh, I have uh, an area on all those platforms that you can reach out to me. Uh, don't hesitate. Uh, I, I'd love to be able to chat at least and see if I can help you or provide you a little bit of clarity. So don't hesitate. I'm not you know somebody that's untouchable. I uh, want to be there and be able to to relate and talk to people. So that's that's why I'm here. So don't hesitate.
0: Awesome. I can't believe uh, that we're almost at the um, hour mark. I I really love doing this. So I'm glad that, you know, I'm starting to get some more interviews and things like that, because I I really do believe that this can take off. I think we're bringing um, a lot of value to people with what we're talking about on here. I want to just finish up with two quick questions, though. Um, And you might not have an answer for the first one um, or feel the need to answer the first one. But the first one is, Do you feel, is there anything, even if it's totally random now, seemingly random, is there anything that we missed that you wished, hey, I would have loved to get this out today, but, you know, we just didn't come across it or I didn't ask the right questions. Is there anything you want to share with anyone out there?
1: Mm. There, there is, there is hope. I think that that's a big thing. And I think a lot of people feel stuck in the issues they're experiencing and stuck in the problems they have and, and think that, the thoughts that they have and the feelings they're experiencing are solely, um, they're the only one experiencing those things and that you are not alone. And there's a lot of other people that are experiencing a lot of crap mentally uh, that you are as well. And there is hope for that. And if you take the time to reach out to somebody that can help you, uh, there is hope and be able to work through that. And I know a lot of times it can feel hopeless. It can feel like, you can feel lost and feel like there's no, you don't know where to turn and and your life feels like it's crumbling underneath you, but there is hope there is people that can help you and you're not alone. So I think that's a big thing I want to share.
0: Awesome. Okay. And that I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you just nailed number two as well. Because my second question was going to be, you know, for anyone out there stru- struggling with some type of mental health challenge or whatever, what would you tell them? I- I'd say that's a pretty good answer for that. Correct.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And to really chime into, i want to really throw this out there um, really emphasize this with, with, with thoughts. Like I think so much of the time we beat ourselves up over thoughts that we have. And I just want everybody to know, like, you know, everybody has effed up thoughts, Everybody has weird, crazy, you know, whether that's sexual or physical or whatever thoughts. Okay. And you're not a weirdo and you're not like extremely different from everybody else because you're having them. I know people don't talk about those things, the crazy thoughts they have, um, but don't beat yourself up over negative thoughts or weird thoughts or thoughts that, you know, are out of your character, uh, because it's completely normal to have out of their thoughts. I have them. Everyone has them. And, uh, I just felt really pulled to say that right there. fair enough and yeah you are uh (laughs) kia there is nothing that
0: you say that is hard to understand you know it's not wildly complex or anything but everything you say is stuff that yeah most people just will not say so i think that's what makes it even more uh valuable so um, you kind of make people feel not alone with certain things so yeah that's definitely um a great way to kind of wrap this up so guys listen if you want to connect with uh at all please go to the description of this check it out um, and I'll have all his stuff, the website, the Facebook group, um, and his Instagram handle on there. Um, he's again, that's a totally public thing. So please feel free to at least just go give him a follow. I show sure some love. Um, but for now, you guys already know what it is. You can go check out some of those. A podcast that we did last month in February. Um, Those are awesome episodes as well. And we have plenty more coming in the months of March and April for you guys. Uh, This has been another episode of the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast with your host, Evan Transu. Um, Thank you so much, Keen, for being here. Uh, We will see you guys next time.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Health Coach Ev.